Hello, my pumpkins. This is Chloe Taylor, and welcome to Authentic and Unapologetic. Here, we explore spirituality and psychology. It is my goal with this podcast to remind you that when you stand tall in your own authenticity, you empower everyone around you to do the same. Hello there, my beautiful pumpkins, and welcome back to Authentic and Unapologetic. I'm so happy that you decided to listen in today. I feel like today's topic is going to be very beneficial for many of you. Uh, even those of you that I feel like come from organized religion backgrounds or like you're in an organized religion now, I still think that this episode is going to be helpful. Um, and what we're going to be talking about is actually how to start believing in your own spiritual path. And the reason I say that I think this would even help somebody in their own like organized fashion is I don't think that we only like worship or are spiritual on Sunday at church. I think that it is an everyday thing. And the more that we can include that spiritual aspect, the better and more fulfilling our lives become. So I think this is a beneficial topic that will address many. Obviously, I have my own opinions and biases about this stuff because I've been through some shit with my own spirituality. And we're going to talk about that first and foremost. And then we're going to talk about kind of the tips and things that I think were the most important and impactful that allowed me to transform my life. And basically I'm sharing in hopes that this information will also help you to transform your own beliefs into what you desire your life to be like. So, um, first of all, I feel like that was such a formal introduction for me. I'm usually so like, hi, oh my God, I'm a fucking Aries Mercury. So I'm always like all over the place, but I hope you're having a fantastic week. I hope today, Tuesday, Mars's day of the week is like, you're feeling running and gunning. And I, I, you know what? It's funny that I would pick Tuesday for a podcast upload day. I never actually considered that, but Tuesday, if we're talking about planetary days, which every planet rules a certain day of the week, Tuesday is known as Mars's day. And Mars is our planet of action. Do you ever notice how on Tuesdays you tend to get like way more shit done than any other day of the week? It's because it's ruled by Mars, baby. And that is the warrior. That is like our electric, like physical energy. And that's so funny that I would choose that as an upload date because as an Aries Mercury running a podcast, very Mercury energy. Uh, it's funny that I would pick a day that coincides with that. Honestly, if any of you are doing podcasts, I would highly encourage looking to that where your Mercury sits and figuring out what day of the week you should upload based on that. If you're running by yourself, if you have a co-host, it might be different if you have different Mercury placements. But it's just funny because I feel like Tuesday really is the best day for my messages to be received because I tend to be somebody that really pumps other people up. And I've been told that on numerous occasions, like being around my energy makes people want to go after their dreams. So that's really funny. I've never considered that, that like, I just chose Tuesday because I don't think I actually really put a lot of thought into it, which is like, I think I did because Monday is the moon's day. And so I didn't want to do Monday because so I did technically, but I didn't think about like, oh yeah, Tuesday's Mars's day. That makes sense. It was just, I don't want to disrupt the natural flow of the moon's day. Like I want everybody to rest and not think about getting super pumped. So I guess I did think about it a little, but not for the day of Tuesday, if that makes sense. Um, but I hope you all have been having a fantastic week. I hope this month has been amazing. I'm recording these during cancer season, but we will be in Leo season when they air. So I hope y'all are having like a nice boost of energy. I feel like Leo season brings a lot of confidence with it. So um, I hope it's been a rock and good time for y'all. But let's go ahead and dive in a little bit to my own past. And I have another episode where I talked about this and I will link the video down below for you um, where I talked about like my spiritual path and like going into it. Um, I think it's pretty lengthy and I don't even remember everything I said because it was made, I'm pretty sure, over a year ago at this point or maybe it was just a year ago or close to a year ago. It, I don't know. 2020 was like the fever dream that nobody asked for. So I feel like I don't like, I forget things when things happened in 2019. I feel like that was a year ago. So I will link that down below for y'all. So you can see that if you want to like really expand more on that. But basically, if you didn't know, I feel like maybe you're living under a rock. If you followed my podcast or any of my work for a while, 
Uh, I grew up Mormon. Um, I was born into it. And my parents, my mother was raised Mormon. My father converted before I was born. And Mormonism, I feel like if you are Mormon, you probably, and like you're a devout Mormon, you probably shouldn't be listening to my content because I'm not like a rageful, angry ex-Mormon necessarily. I think I've gotten past a lot of that. But, and like, I fully am here for anybody who's exiting that faith. Like you kind of need to go through your rage moments. Like you need to get a little angry to move forward. I don't really consider myself that person. Like I have friends that are Mormon that I deeply respect and I don't want to like trample the way that they feel. But if I'm coming from myself with my own opinions, I don't really feel like my content is made for Mormons. I just feel like I might say things that are a little bit more offensive sometimes because of my own experiences, not because I believe that if you're Mormon, that makes you a terrible person. Um, and I feel like I'm way over explaining this. But in any case, I was born and raised Mormon. And those of you that don't really know anything about Mormonism, it is kind of intense. Like, it's intense in the way, but like when you're in it, you don't realize how intense it is. Like I used to watch um, like cult stuff, like cults, um, I don't know, like escaping Amish or like I went to Amish country and that was really interesting to me. And I'm not even saying that that's a cult, but like I was very fascinated by organized groups of people and like learning about their traumas. But I could never like associate that with myself growing up. Like I just didn't see that at all. I never made the connection. Because when you're in it, you can't see it that way. Like everybody around you is in it. We're all drinking the Kool-Aid. And like, it just seems so normal. And so especially being born into it and not knowing anything else, like, I never once really questioned it. I was just like, oh yeah, this is totally my reality. And like, I need to stand up for my faith and blah, blah, blah. But being raised that way, there is just like so much shit. <laughs> and like being like 30 years old now and being able to look back and see how toxic so many of the teachings that were given to me were. Oh my God. Like, for instance, I'll give you some examples of some of the things that were taught to me as like a very young girl, which I think is so like, just gross. Like I just I can't get behind it. And I'm sorry, like, I'm not sorry, because I think it's just something we shouldn't be teaching women in particular. But I remember going to like what was called like young women's, which was like, basically, I want to say it was like age 13 to 18. Or was it 14 to 18? Or was it 12 to 18? Gosh, I'm so removed from Mormonism now that I can't even keep it straight. Um, but um, basically, like, they would – every Sunday, like, you had your own church meeting where you did, like, three hours of church every Sunday, first of all, which now I think they've changed it to two hours. Um, three hours of church, okay, which to me, thinking about it now is ludicrous. Like, don't get me wrong. I think I spend my own time worshiping in my own way like, or not even worshiping, I feel like that's like an incorrect term. But like, I spend time every day being spiritual at this point, I think my life is like a moving prayer at this point in my life. But dedicating three hours every Sunday, that like, to just like intense learning of doctrine is just like way too much. Um, especially every Sunday, like, I don't know, I'm a Sagittarius rising, we hate commitment in this house. Okay. <laughs> and my husband is a Sagittarius. So like, we are not about it. We are all for the unorganized, the like, flaky, like, I'm probably not the greatest friend in the world, I will be there when it counts. But I like hate making plans and sticking with them on anything. So like every Sunday, torture. Um, but I remember in this one particular church meeting, because it was three hours, like I said, it was like the opening stuff where you like did sacrament and people gave talks and like the bishop spoke and stuff. And then you would have Sunday school, which was just like learning the scriptures and stuff. And then so like one hour for the first one hour for the second class. And then the third class was usually like, um, something that like they would cordon you off in some kind of way usually. So for me, it was young women's. So all of the women would be together and like men would go do like young, young men's or whatever. And 
I will never forget this one time. I don't even remember who taught the lesson. And I know that this is common because I've heard this story also online from other people having had a similar experience, but they were teaching the law of chastity, which is like not having sex until you're married, which is also stupid. Sorry about it. I do not agree with those rules anymore. Um, But they basically gave the analogy that like it was like chewed up gum, And it was like, basically, when you like have sex outside of marriage, you now become like this chewed up piece of gum. And like, why would anybody want you just put it in the trash? And that was the message we were giving to young women. Like, how fucking devastating. Like, don't even talk about like people that are also just like subject of like rape or like, like, imagine how like if anyone in that room with me had been sexually abused, I can't even imagine how they were feeling. And in my mind, this made sense to me. I was just like, oh, yeah, totally. We don't do that. That's so bad. Like, oh, like, don't have sex before you get married. And now, oh, my gosh, where I am now, if I ever have a child, not only are we going to have open discussions at every appropriate age of what is appropriate for them psychologically about sex, but like, and I understand everybody parents differently, but I would much rather teach my kids to be safe than to be abstinent. And that's facts. Like, then we have this whole backlash of like, I don't know, teen pregnancy and all of this stuff. But I feel like at the point we are at, we have pretty well proven that abstinence actually doesn't work. And when you have all of these raging hormones going on, wouldn't you rather have your child, of course, make the decision to remain abstinent if that's like where where their heart is and you want them to make smart decisions but and but like at the same time I think it's so much better to also allow them to make informed decisions for their own body and obviously like I said this comes with age-appropriate discussions it's not like we're telling eight-year-olds like oh here's a bucket of condoms you know it's it's not like that but I just have such different beliefs from that time period. And and it's hard for me to even talk about some of these things without getting upset because I realized the ways in which my own brain was totally warped to think that way. When I started having sex at 17 years old, because even my partner that I'm with now was technically that person. Like, I don't know why I say technically, like he was the only, but, um, and he was never Mormon, never religious. He was atheist when I met him. And now I would say he's probably like more agnostic, but I don't want to speak for him. Um, I know he doesn't really identify with atheist atheism anymore for himself, but I don't know what he would classify himself as other than like a witch, but, um, which who needs a label anyways. Um, when I started having sex at like 17 years old, I was more terrified of accidentally getting pregnant because I was not well informed and having to tell my parents about that versus actually being pregnant. Doesn't that like, shouldn't that be upsetting if our youth feels that way? If they're more afraid of the reaction of their parents than they are of actually, you know, carrying a human child and bringing it into the world and then having to raise it. I wasn't scared of those things. I was scared of the consequence from my parental like oppressor basically or like church people in the church like being upset, which that never happened. I never got pregnant. I was actually always very safe. And but like I also felt so much guilt over having sex for like and the reason I'm bringing this up is I think it took a very long time for me even into my 20s to feel comfortable even after getting married it took so long for me to even feel comfortable having sex and not being like grossed out by it or feeling weird about it. Or like I had to really explore that side of me because there was so much indoctrinated into my head that like I was basically here just to serve a single purpose, which was to birth children. And I just don't believe that. I don't believe any woman has to do that. Um, I just, it, it it probably wasn't until maybe the last like three or four years that I got very comfortable with my own body and very comfortable with like, even being able to like, look at my own body. Like I felt like in the Mormon religion, you're also always taught to like cover up and like, um, you know, you're not allowed to wear tank tops or spaghetti straps because like you kind of follow like what their garment lines are, um, you're not allowed to, at least when I was a part of the church, I don't know if it's still this way or not, but 
I don't even feel like I even enjoyed looking at my body because I always felt like it was this like temptation for men. And honestly, I think I've really had to come back to that. And even now, like, I don't want to get emotional about it, but like, even now, if any of you follow me on Instagram in the month of July, which is now technically for me, I have just started like purchasing two pieces for my body, which I am somebody that is a little bit more on the larger side. Um, I have a very large chest and like no butt, no thighs, no hips, but like I'm really big on top. And it has been such a process for me to even wear like tank tops and feel comfortable and wear um, a two piece and feel comfortable and wear crop tops and feel comfortable because I was always taught that like, oh no, we have to avoid the male gaze. You can't tempt them. Um, and it's taken me such a long time to even come to a place of having love and acceptance for literally the vessel that has carried me through my entire life. And this is why I was like, I don't really feel like this podcast is for somebody who is Mormon because I think when it comes to my own body, I am kind of angry. I'm still angry. Like I'm not fully in a place where like, I wish I had had the body acceptance that I have now then. And I'm still upset for past me, if that makes sense. Um, I'm still really working through a lot of that. And honestly, I would even attribute my own like struggling with eating disorders, I think have a strong link to my religious past. Because um, if we look at like the spiritual reason for the manifestation of excess weight, which I'm not saying that's the only reason, there can be a slew of things going on in anybody's body. And um, like, it's also not our job to just like be thin for the male gaze or anybody else's gaze. I'm not here to even try to preach anything like that. I'm only speaking for myself and my own body. For my body, um, I am disabled and I've talked about this numerous times as well. I have hip and knee dysplasia that I've had since birth and carrying a lot of excess weight on my body is actually really detrimental for me. It puts more weight on my joints and that in turn in turn causes me a lot more pain, like just chronic pain. Um, and so it's actually like better for me to not be as heavy. And, um, I know this even from personal experience of times where I have lost weight and I've actually felt better. Like my joints have felt better. Um, but it's also hard for me to get exercise. Like it's this whole flip coin thing in any case. Um, I also believe that a spiritual manifestation of weight on my body um, really does come from like, I look at where my weight is proportioned and I have really fat tits. I'm just going to say it like it is. Okay. I have, I wear like an F size cup. I have huge breasts and I've always seen them as such a spot of shame for me because it's the first thing people notice about me. It's the first thing my family members comment about, Oh my God, your boobs are so big, which is so inappropriate. Might I just add, I've gotten to the point where I advocate for myself and I will tell people like, why do you think you can comment on my body? Please don't do that. Um, but it's definitely like a sore spot for me. And what do your breasts cover for you? If you have breasts, they cover your heart, right? So I see that as a physical manifestation of me really protecting my heart. And then I also carry a lot like right in my stomach, which again, I want to reiterate, there are also big scientific reasons behind this too. And I believe that we have, we can have both. We can have science and spirituality. They can coexist together. Um, but I also carry more weight around my midsection as well. And this to me, honestly, it's really like my middle three chakras are just like, whoa, girl, what's going on? They're the ones that always need the most work. And that's the sacral, the solar plexus and the heart chakra. So we're looking at the heart chakra, right? Our ability to connect and love other people. The solar plexus, my personal power, um, which interestingly enough, I feel like that area doesn't carry as much for me. Like I think I have a better handle on that. Um, but then my sacral chakra, which definitely has an expansion of carrying excess weight and like a protection shield there, that's sacred sexuality, right? So I would say at least for the last two years, two to three years, I've really worked on my own sacred sexuality outside of the church as well. Um, just trying to reconnect with my body and learn it and understand it and not try to cover it up for everybody and, you know, just do what feels comfortable and right for me. And 
my whole point to this is that I feel like what I'm expressing to you is I experienced what to me would be like religious trauma. Like, and I think a lot of people are struggling with this right now, not even just in the Mormon church, but in many organized religions, we're seeing people that are, we're learning more and more how to be more empathetic and more loving towards humanity at this time. And I really do believe that. I know we see a lot of terrible things projected from the media, but if you actually sit and talk to your community or like two people that are close to you, look at how far we've come in evolving in even discussing mental health openly. And I think we really have to pat millennials on the back for that, for taking the bullet and being the ones that were like, hey, we're not mentally well and we're really tired of being quiet about it. And then Gen Z came up behind us and was like, yeah, more of that, Um, more of that, more expressing that. Um, And the reason I say that, of course, there is an astrological implication there. Um, Number one If you, not every millennial, but a good chunk of us, we are the Pluto and Scorpio like generation and Scorpio is deep transformation. We're here to burn it down to the ground. And the generation after us is Pluto and Sagittarius, which is the rebuilder, right? Well, they're not, I wouldn't even say like rebuild, but they are like more into like social justice, higher knowledge, higher learning, higher education. And so we're rebuilding from this place that is going to give us a better foundation. Um, And that's like kind of zooming out and getting more global with it. But I just feel like, I feel like, Things are like people are more confused than we probably ever have been, right? And so with my own spirituality, I'm telling you all of this, A, because I'm being just a lot more vulnerable in speaking on it because I think that this is stuff that needs to be talked about. And B, I want you all to understand that even from the place that I'm at right now, which I think is so much more healthy than it was in the past, and I, for the most part, mentally, like there are definitely things I'm working on, of course, But I do feel a lot more of a sense of surety in myself. And in turn, it makes me able to practice my own spirituality in a more sense of assured way. So that's why I'm kind of giving this like extra context. But I also want you to understand that healing isn't linear. I'm somebody that to this day, I still struggle with that old indoctrination that really put me in this place of not even being able to look at my own body. And I believe that that's where it comes from. You know, I think for some people, it's not religion. It's media that projects this image of what we should look like. Or maybe we go to stores and there aren't clothes that fit our bodies because for some reason, I don't know how many years we've had humans on this planet or how long we've had clothing companies. But for some reason, we still don't have a way of actually making clothes for humans (laughs) that actually suits everyone. Um, which is so strange to me that we haven't like figured out a way to hack that yet. But I just basically want you to know that I still struggle. There are still things that even though I have such a sense of surety in myself, I still struggle. I still work on things. And I think a lot of mentors or a lot of people that you might see as guides in your life, whether it's an author, an actual person that you speak to me, you know, whoever nobody's life is perfect. Everybody has their own struggles that they work on. There's always going to be areas of doubt in their mind. And I want you to know, as we move forward and talking about how to get back to actually believing in your spirituality and believing in yourself, you're not going to believe in yourself every day. That's just not reality. There are going to be times where you're going to have doubts, but you will be able to push through those given the right tools. And that's the thing that you need to keep in mind that there are going to be days that are bad brain days, or you just don't feel like you're in your magic that day, or you just don't feel like maybe you feel like something you're doing feels weird or crazy. And you're like, I don't know about this. Not only does spirituality come with more practice, but also there are going to be times where you do things that feel like they're strange because of either past conditioning or because it's new to you still. And I apologize if this episode already feels like it's all over the place. I feel like I didn't really give myself an outline for talking about where I've come from. And I just kind of started to run with it. 
And that's just kind of what you get here on this podcast. It's just like the random musings of literally somebody that pretty we're pretty sure probably has ADHD, but is undiagnosed, un unproperly diagnosed, but all of the symptoms are there. Uh, so you kind of get like this run around with me. Um, but I guess I kind of want to touch before we move into the how to kind of start cultivating the belief in yourself in that way. I also want to talk about like my own like exit a little bit. And I started to question my own spiritual beliefs from what I had been raised in probably around age 20. Um, my and if any of y'all know anything about Mormonism, you know that Mormons don't drink coffee or tea. Um, because it says in the word of wisdom in one of their books that hot drink is not for the body. And we as the modern people, not we, I don't know why I'm putting myself in there. They, as modern society, um, has decided that hot drink back at that time was coffee and tea. However, you can still drink Coca-Cola and like be an active member of the church and it's fine. So they also don't say that it's like caffeine, which I think is weird. And this is where my thread started to unravel slowly. It's always one thing. I feel like it's one thing that you start to question. And then it just never, like, I just never stopped questioning after that. The the topics got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was like, oh, this is actually not good. Um, but I remember, like, taking this question to, like, missionaries, taking it to people that I really admired in the church. And every single person had a different answer. And it was like, oh, like, it's just caffeine or, oh, it's, oh, it's only coffee and tea. So like, you can't have herbal tea either. But then some people were like, no, it's caffeine. You can have herbal tea and decaf and it's fine. Or um, like everybody had a different answer or the worst answer. I don't know. Pray about it. Like pray about it and see how you feel. Like maybe your rules are just bullshit and I'm not going to get an answer if I pray about it because my own self is more important. Like my own beliefs of what I think something is going to do for me. If I drink a cup of coffee and I have the intention in my head that this is going to do damage to me because my God told me I shouldn't drink it, of course it's going to be bad for me. But if I hold the intention that this is something that is going to be cozy and warm and I'm going to enjoy it and, you know, have it with friends, then it's going to hold the intention of that. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I also believe that sometimes the intention we put into things also makes a, actually, I do believe, not sometimes, I do believe that the intention we put into things is actually really important. And it actually can sway the energy of things. This goes back to, um, the study they did on water, which is referenced all over the spirituality community. Um, the study that they did on water where like basically this person did a study on water where like one water he spoke really spiteful, like hateful things to. And then the other water, like just like in a glass, he said really kind, loving things to and then froze the water and looked at the ice crystals and the water that he spoke really like ugly, nasty things to the ice crystals were like all fucked up. Like none of them made intricate patterns. They were a mess. And then the water that was spoken really lovingly to had like all these intricate beautiful like just like pattern designs and so yes I do believe that the intention that we put out into energy really does matter and so like I feel like even praying about things like you have to take into account your own your own belief does that make sense okay anyways um so I started to question the coffee and tea thing and nobody could give me a straight answer. And I thought that was fishy as fuck. Now, mind you, before this, I was like a diehard member of the church. Like I used to go to the temple and do baptisms for the dead work. Like um, I was the only child in my family that was like heavily active. And I would get like mad at my other siblings that would quote unquote sin when they would like drink and smoke and stuff. And um, I was very close to my mom, at least at the time, who my mom is also like Mormon. And she would always say things like, oh, this was my easy child, which like, I got to tell you something, parents that are listening out there. If you ever describe your child as easy, you better be sure that that kid is doing okay mentally. Because the only reason I was the easy child is because I was taught to put my feelings aside and only cater to the needs of my mother. And that was horrible for my development. And as an adult, I've actually had to like let myself enjoy things. So 
Um, that's a whole other topic for a whole other time, but, and that's not me like shitting on my mom in any sense of the matter. Like these are things that I would say to her face and probably have to be quite honest. Um, it's just facts. I'm just spitting facts. I feel like I always want to like double back when I make comments about my mom. I feel like I need to insert this whenever I make comments about my mom, because being, I almost said being in a relationship with my mom, which sounds really weird, but having a strong relationship with my mom, honestly, was such a huge blessing in my life, but not in the way that you think. (laughs) It was a huge blessing in my life growing up because as an adult, when it got really hard and I didn't understand who I was and I was having like this whole spiritual awakening identity crisis, like I didn't know what the fuck was going on. It was this pattern in my life that I really took a fine-toothed comb to, and I really looked at it with, like, a microscope and was like, "What? why does this relationship, like, feel not correct? And it was honestly the biggest blessing because it led me to all of my study in psychology and learning more about me so that I can help other people learn about themselves. So biggest blessing And I'm honestly, like, not even in this, like, place of, like, rage or upset anymore, Um, was for many, 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 many years. And I'm not saying that there still aren't moments, because when you grow up with a narcissistic parent, like, that's the facts. Like, they just, they know how to gaslight you and anger you because they installed the buttons that they know how to push. Um, But we have better boundaries now. We have better communication now. And it's a process. I'm grateful for that relationship because it taught me a lot. Um, but it's still my story and how my reality played out. And I never want to not be authentic in that way, even if it's something that would probably hurt my mother's feelings. Like it's something that it was how I experienced it. And it was such a huge, it has been, and still is such a huge learning process for me that I actually like dissecting it and talking about it because I think it helps me and it potentially helps other people that have experienced that sort of relationship. Um, but, um, once I started making those questions, the questions just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I ended up watching like a temple ceremony that somebody had filmed, which you're not supposed to do that. That's like, so against like church stuff. And I'm not going to give you a play by play of that. If you want to see that, you can go find it on the internet. It exists. Um, Mormons will tell you that that like super defiles their their spiritual practices and beliefs. I feel like, honestly, I don't know how Mormons don't just think that they're witches. (laughs) Um, Now, don't get me wrong. There's definitely a lot of like interesting rules and regulation and all of that. But like seeing a temple ceremony, I'm like, bro, y'all are just witches. Like you're a different witch than me. That's for sure. But there isn't even anything like harmful necessarily going on in there. I mean, maybe mentally, but It's all like very ritual and not like sacrificing animals or anything like that. Um, But it's all like very ritual, the way that like witchcraft can be. Um, And I wasn't a witch at the time when I discovered this. I don't know what I thought the temple was supposed to be like because I had never gone through for myself. I'd only gone through to do baptisms, which is a totally different thing. Um, But I was actually really upset. I remember after seeing this, I just thought to myself, wow, that's it. This whole thing that has been talked up in my head by every member of the church, that's it. This is what this is. You get some like secret handshakes. You do some chanting with your brother and sister and and you like, that's it? Like, I don't know what I was expecting. And like, you get some special clothes. Like, it just wasn't, I was devastated, even not going through the temple. And I feel like there's countless stories of people that are ex-Mormons or are like recovering from that that like they expressed the same thing, like leaving the temple, they were heartbroken. Like this was the whole thing that I like prepared my whole life for. And this was it. Um, so with like, sorry, my husband just texted me and. Oh, okay. Cool story. Um, sorry. He was telling me about money things, but um, I love how this podcast is just like so real life that you literally hear me stop and like look at my husband's text messages. It's funny. But like I watched that and that was really hard. And then I just like started to do things that would have been really 
like against the church and not because I was like rebelling or like whatever. I was doing things that like I just wanted to have those experiences and see if like, oh, were they so bad? Would I feel like I've sinned? Would I feel like I did something so terrible? And so um, it was actually right before my 21st birthday, technically, um, like five months shy. I started drinking, which is super against the church's wishes. Um, not like heavily, but just like, you know, I started with like sangria and Smirnoff the way that you do Smirnoff ice. Now I wouldn't touch that stuff with a 10 foot pole. Um, not necessarily alcohol. I will have alcohol from time to time, but like that alcohol in particular, just, it's just not my vibe. Um, and I definitely felt some guilt around it, but nothing crazy. And I was still having sex with my partner at this time. Like I'd been seeing my partner from age 17 and now we're married. We've been together almost 14 years. Um, Still sleeping with my partner. And we, I think we'd actually started living together at that point, but like nobody but his mom knew, um, which his mom is like super chill and really cool. And she's like much younger than my parents and I adore her. Um, she's a Scorpio too, which I think is even cooler because I'm a Taurus and we've got that whole like opposites thing going on. We, we are similar in a lot of ways, but very different in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know if any of y'all have ever noticed that about your opposite sign because you technically are the same. You just play out in different ways because you're under a different element. I'm an earth element. She's a water element. So we just do it very differently. Um, but we do have a lot of cross similarity. I want to say she's also a Libra moon too. So like we both got that air moon thing going on. She's fun. I enjoy her. I don't think she listens to my podcast, but like, yo, Yvonne, if you do, I think you're cool as shit. You're a great mom. Um, <laughs> any sense. I keep getting distracted. So um, started drinking, started like I was always having sex, but like I always felt so guilty about it. And I started to like question like, what if I didn't have to feel guilty about this? And that still came with more time. Like I said, I even got married at 22. So 17 to 22, I was having unmarried sex, which is by the church's rule, awful. Um, And then continued to have sex afterwards. And like, I still struggled with that for a long time. Um, I think now is probably the time in my life, like right now at age 30, where I feel like the most like sexually comfortable, like I'm not ashamed of sex. I think it's such like a beautiful and amazing thing. And I do think that it's important to, for me, I will not speak on anybody else's behalf because this is just how I feel. Um, I'm somebody that I do need to have a connection with someone in order to be intimate in that way with them. But I know that's not everybody and I respect that. Um, I do think for me, it was awesome that my experiences were all with the same person. Um, that's not to say though, that like, I don't think it would have ruined anything had I had experiences with anybody else though, if that makes sense, which man, I have come a long way. (laughs) Um, so was doing some of that. Then like, I stopped feeling guilty about like not going to church, which like when I moved away, because I moved away at 18 to the state of Utah. Oh my God. Can we even talk about that? I'm still here. I'm still here. Like 12 years later, I'm still living in the state of Utah. Actually, I think I was 19. No, was I 18? I was 18. I've been here for like 12 years almost. Um, I think it'll be 12 years this year but I'm planning to move before the 12 year mark. Um, I'm very excited. I cannot wait to get out of this state. Um, Nothing wrong necessarily with it. We talked about that in the last um, or like two episodes ago, my move and stuff. And I'm really excited about it, but living like over here, everybody goes to church. Everybody, like if you're not Mormon, it's like obvious that you're not basically because so many people are, And so even being surrounded by the culture was definitely really interesting for me. Um, But everything I was doing was like kind of on the sly at the same time. Like I didn't even tell my closest friends I had been drinking or anything because like they were all Mormon too. And I thought that it would be weird. But I feel like I don't even know what age. I might have been like 27. So it took me from age 20 to age 27, to finally be at the point. So this is what I mean when like healing and growth and change and spirituality, it doesn't mean it's going to take you seven years, but it could. It took me seven years to be at the point where 
I haven't necessarily done it. I've, and it's only because they make it so fucking difficult and inconvenient. Um, if it was more convenient, I would have already done it. But like removing your records from the church and like no longer being a member is such a process. And I still haven't done it. And I honestly think I'll probably wait until I move officially. Um, just because I don't really want to talk to a notary, you have to literally get the paperwork notarized. Um, I don't really want to talk to a notary here. I just feel like that would be weird. Like you would think they would see it all the time and maybe you have to be non-judgmental being a notary, but like living in the state of Utah, like everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are Mormon. And because of that, like the notary that I would seek out, like, I don't know. I just, it feels weird. Okay. Like this is like on my anxiety. Okay. It feels weird. So I will probably wait until I move before I officially go through with that. So I can see a notary somewhere else because it would make me feel more comfortable. But it wasn't until age 27 that I was like, I would like to get my records removed. Like I'm so done with this and it's not true and I don't believe it. And it's not good for me. I see even people in my own family line who this is not good for. I think for me, if I could give my opinion, there's like one person in my life that I'm very close to that. I actually think Mormonism is good for them. Like there are some people that need that like religious path for themselves And I don't fault anybody for that. If it makes you the best version of you that you can be, then it's the right religion for you. It's the right spiritual path for you. I don't think that there is any one right or wrong religion or like any one right or wrong type of spirituality. I think it's about whatever the human's experience is that's having it. And my dad, (laughs) I think my dad is an excellent member of the church. I think that for him, it actually makes him like his greatest version of self. I really do believe that in many, many, many ways. And it's awesome because my dad has never judged me for wanting to like not be Mormon. It's never come into question. It's never like he's always been really open to hearing about like my tarot card reading and like my anything I want to do, which is so cool. You don't find that very often, I feel like in the Mormon religion. Um, But I feel like, like, I don't know, he's just like way more accepting, you know, um, I don't think my dad listens to these podcasts, but also shout out to my dad. He's really cool. Um, gosh, I didn't know we were going to get so in depth today. I don't know why I didn't think that, but here we are. So I want to go ahead and like, basically now that you understand, I felt like I was obviously severely indoctrinated for the first zero to 20 years, 20 years of my life. I gave to this religion, to this organized religion that's did not serve me, did not help me grow spiritually in that way. I would, I will say this actually, before we go to our sponsor for today, um, I will say this, if there's one thing, one thing I can give Mormonism that like, I actually think helped me on my path to where I am now. Um, I have an extremely open crown chakra. I always have, it's never changed. It's never swayed. And I attribute that to being taught really early on in Mormonism to pay attention to the quote unquote Holy Spirit. Um, This is like when people talk about like the Holy Trinity, how we have like um, Godfather and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit to me is what I consider my connection to divinity. I don't believe it in the way that Mormonism taught it to me, but I will say I think that Mormonism gave me the tools mentally to intuit, to have stronger intuition and to have like unwavering faith in my own beliefs, whatever they decide to be or whatever I decide that they are. Um, and I think that in that way, growing up in a religion was good for me. I'm, I was able to carry that and keep that as I moved into the next phase of my life. And I think it's honestly kept me like really in a state of being able to believe in my own spirituality a lot easier. Um, And I know not everybody has that experience because some people didn't come in with this like, um, now, do I think I would have found it without the church? Probably. (laughs) Um, But I will say that I will, I will like give that. And I know some people don't come in with anything and maybe that's what makes it so much harder to believe in yourself and in something Um, or even just in your higher self, right? That might be the thing that makes it harder. So today I want to talk about that with you. But before we get into it, I do want to uh, pass this over to a word, excuse me, from our sponsors. 
Okay, so believing in your spirituality, this is not the only one way to do this. There are so many ways. These, I feel like, are foundational things that are going to support you. And I only have a couple of tips here, but you know me, I'm a chatty bitch, so we might go on for a minute. (laughs) But I feel like the number one thing that I always say, and this is just because this is what helped me, it might be different for you. The number one thing that I changed in my life when I was swapping out of Mormonism and into my own way of believing that really made an impact. And I was going through my dark night of the soul when this happened too. So I think that actually made it a little easier is like, when you go through a dark night of the soul, things already naturally get stripped away from you. And so some of it I felt like was made a little bit easier. But you have to change your social circles. If your social circles are not supporting your like next phase of what you want to believe and who you want to be and what you want to do, I'm not saying that you have to go and like cancel all your friendships and run away from your family. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is you need to limit your exposure to people that aren't supporting the new version of you. So if you have a weekly meeting with your family, you need to drop it down to two times a month. If you have a friend that calls you every day, you need to start skipping days and start filling that time slot with other people. So this, if you can't find people like right now, obviously it's totally understandable. We're still in the middle of a panini. Um, If you can't find people that align with your values right away, I promise you, number one, that you will. But if you can't find them right away because you're still learning what you even like and what you don't and what you believe in what you don't, you can read books. You can listen to my podcast. You can listen to other people's podcasts. There are so many creators on YouTube that have such amazing information and insight. Um, A few that I really like, um, I love Lior Alexandra. I love Isabel Palacios. I love Teal Swan. I love Erin Doughty. Now, that doesn't mean that I believe every single little thing that those people teach, unless you're Lior Alexandra. I feel like she and I like are very aligned. Um, <laughs> it doesn't mean that I believe every single little thing that they teach for myself, because not everything they teach serves me in my current mission. And it means that I have the ability, though, to look at it and say, what beliefs of these do they give me that I that like sit well in my body that feel good to me? And which ones do I want to adapt from? That's kind of like the most exciting thing about going on your own spiritual path is that you get like this whole empty closet, like this beautiful, like imagine this with me for a second, okay? So we're going to give it a closet, but like it could be anything. It could be a room. It could be a garden, whatever you want it to be. I'm going with closet because I just definitely ordered too many summer clothes. And I have been like restocking my wardrobe with all this cute shit. So we're going with the closet. But also this is not a euphemism for like being in the closet. Like if you're gay, like you do what you got to do for you. Um, I'm not trying to bring the closet in here in any sense of the way of like a shame closet. Okay, we're not doing that. (laughs) The closet is somewhere you want to be in this instance. Um, And that's not to say that even if you are in the closet, that it's wrong. Like, I think everybody has to make those decisions on their own time. Okay? Okay. Um, And I support you lovingly with whatever you need. But um, with, with this closet or this garden or whatever, when you have a bunch of beliefs already in this closet, like Mormonism, Christianity, Catholicism, um, obviously there are plenty more religions than that, but whatever it's been filled with, imagine you want to come up with a new path for yourself. You don't align with that vision anymore. And you pull all of those clothes out or those beliefs and you, I wouldn't say donate them, even though that would be like the eco-friendly thing to do. You don't necessarily want to give your trauma to somebody else. It's not about that. So let's say for this instance that These clothes are like so damaged that we're not donating them to anyone, okay? We're going to decide what can be repurposed and we can like sew or patch up and keep for ourselves and everything else we're putting into a pile and burning, okay? We're doing a burn ritual. We're getting rid of everything else. Now you have this whole beautiful space that you've cleaned out. You've done like you've done the internal work, right? You've seen a therapist. You've 
um, maybe just started working with yourself, doing more meditation, more grounding exercises. And now you get to say, wow, what do I want to fill this closet with? Do I want, like, you can go online shopping, which this is what I said, you know, you can buy books, you can listen to other people on YouTube, listen to other podcasts, find people that align with your values, even in person, which like, we don't want to shove people in your closet, but like, you get the idea. And now you get to fill that closet with whatever you want. So this is actually a good thing if you're questioning your own beliefs and you feel like they're not aligning with you anymore is you now get to clean that slate and start over. You can do this at any point in time. Even if you pick up a bunch of beliefs that you then don't resonate with a year from now, you can do this whole process again. You're always allowed to choose again. Do you see what I'm saying? So with doing this exercise, with finding new things to bring in, don't look at this like it's a chore. Like you have to go out there and find all this new information. I know it's going to take so long and it's going to be so hard. And what do I believe and what should I believe? It's breathe. Life is about the journey, not the destination. So you have to fall in love with wanting to learn again, with wanting to make new decisions for yourself again. And that's how you're going to fill up that space. That's how you're going to fill up that, um, that new sense of belief. Now you could even cultivate your own beliefs and I, I encourage it. I mean, I identify now as a chaos, witch, which literally chaos, witches. we're just out here doing our own shit. Like we don't follow anybody else's tradition. It's you can, as a chaos, witch, you can even take other people's spell work that you kind of resonate with and then just be like, eh, I don't have these two herbs. So we're just going to do it without it. And it's going to work because I say it works. Like being a chaos musician is so fun and it feels natural to me. So that's what I choose. But to some people, you might need a little more structure. You might want to be in something more structured. I feel like, um, and obviously not everybody listening here is interested in witchcraft or wants to be a witch. I'm just giving you my examples. Some people that transition into witchcraft, though, they want to go more of the Wiccan route, which to me has a little bit more um, tradition to it, a little bit more of a rule set to it. Um, and there's more of a specific way of doing some things where if you're eclectic or a chaos witch, then it's a lot more free form. But if you don't feel comfortable there yet, you can take a step into something else. You're not going to be married to something forever. Like you don't have to be. It's your spirituality. It's your belief system. And I firmly believe that if you're not surrounded by people that actually support this evolution in you, that's the first thing that has to go. Before I transitioned out of Mormonism, I used to talk to my mom every single day. I'm not even kidding. And I would be upset if we didn't talk for a few days. We were like best friends. And I used to talk to my friends that were really Mormon. Like every week we were doing something, even if I didn't want to do it. Or I was forcing myself to go to church every Sunday, even when I knew that that didn't align with me anymore because of a tradition. Do you honestly think that when you are on your deathbed, you're going to think about the times that you went to church in a place that you didn't believe in the faith anymore and you were just like kind of bored? Don't you feel like you'll think that you wasted your time just to like keep other people in your life happy? That's not how I, I mean, you could spend your life that way if that's how you want to do it. There's no shame in your game and I'm not here to shame you. Never. If anything, I'm here to empower you to make decisions for yourself. Or are you going to be someone that was like, you know, I might have had to have like hurt my parents' feelings or hurt that one friend's feelings by kind of slowing down our pace a little bit. But I'm so grateful I did that because I got to live a life more empowered by my own decisions and my own beliefs. And that's kind of the moment you have to come to. And it's different for everybody. For me, it was a gradual process. Like I said, it took seven years, I think, for me to even come to the place where I was so like there were parts of me that was afraid if I didn't continue to believe in this faith, I was going to go to hell because that's what they kind of teach you is like if you like that's like blasphemy and that's like the worst sin that you can commit is to not believe in the faith. And so there was a long period of time where I was afraid like, oh, my God, what if I'm wrong, though? And what if I don't believe and and I'm going to go to hell because of this and I'm going to be like eternally damned and that took a long time to really unprogram that and to hear other people's stories of living so much freer and living without. And I also encourage all of you, if you're going through this now, to get mad. 
I'm not saying go out there and like yell at everybody or anything or like start fights with people, but like getting mad just for yourself is a great release in terms of coming into another chapter or feeling differently about something. If it's something that upset you, you need to honor those feelings. And the the more you actually allow yourself to feel it, because I feel like a lot of us don't even allow ourselves to get mad, especially women. I feel like in general, like generationally, we've been trained that like we're not even allowed to be angry. And so being angry can even be a challenge. But you have to allow yourself to feel those things. Because if you don't, they're just going to keep resurfacing. And no matter how long it takes, no matter how long you need to sit in that anger, that frustration, it can be frustrating just to be frustrated, but it's important. It's an important part of the journey forward. And if you haven't taken the time to do that yet, I highly encourage, especially if you're wanting, I feel like you can't come to a place of believing more in yourself and your craft and what you want to do without without releasing the chapter that held you somewhere else. And that's one of the ways you have to do it is to get mad, to get sad, to get upset, maybe have some difficult conversations if you feel like you're ready. But like I said, the most important thing is finding a support system that supports the new version of you that you're becoming. And this goes in any kind of self-trust, um, any kind of like trusting yourself to do anything. Like it, let's say you're a mom and you just get shamed all the time for the ways that you choose to raise your child. You need to start spending time with moms who don't do that or find an online community with people who don't believe in mom shaming or like, you know, we could talk about this for any niche. We're so blessed in this digital age to be able to connect the way that we do, because I think honestly, we are smarter as humans than we have probably ever been. Um, I know we question some people's beliefs sometimes, but I think we're smarter than we've ever been because we have the ability to get information instantaneously now and we can connect with so many people and hear their stories and what they've been through and it. It influences us to make changes in our own lives um, for the worse or for the better, depending on what it is. But you need to start spending time with the supportive people. If it's not actual people, find the books, find the YouTube channels, things like that. Um, the next thing is to, and this is really important. And this is something that comes from, uh, the holistic psychologist. I talk about her all the time. Her work was so impactful for my life that I like talking about it. You have to start cultivating self-trust by becoming your own wise inner parent. And this doesn't even mean that you have a bad relationship with your own parents. For some people, it does mean that, but it doesn't mean to become your own wise inner parent. You don't have to have a bad relationship with your parents. Like you can have a great relationship and still need to parent yourself sometimes. And becoming your own wise inner parent, this is about giving to yourself in a way that is loving and sometimes is, is a form of discipline, but not discipline in the way that I think modern society talks about discipline. We're not beating ourselves up. When we talk about loving discipline, this is putting yourself to bed at the appropriate time to get the appropriate amount of sleep and not sitting up and binging Netflix all night. This is drinking X amount of water throughout your day. This is making sure you're moving your body every week a certain amount. Um, and sticking with that routine lovingly because you know that it's good for you and it helps you become the best version of you and nobody else is going to hold you accountable but yourself. It's it's becoming that loving inner wise parent that gives you loving guidance and loving discipline. And the reason that this is so important for cultivating your spirituality is because if you don't believe in your own spirituality. Like, let's say you're somebody who like wants to spell craft. Now, obviously I'm always going to bring this back to what I do because it's what I know, but say you want to spell craft and you just did this whole ritual and you are doubting it the minute that you're done. Oh my gosh, it's not going to work. Or maybe it didn't work. Or maybe I should have done it this way or da, 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 da. You're questioning everything you just did. The reason why we need to become the own wise inner parent is because if we give ourselves loving discipline and we constantly keep small promises to ourselves, so like I said, this can be going to bed at a certain time, getting a single healthy meal in every day. These are small changes. And for some people, they might seem larger. You can start smaller. It can be just getting up at a certain time in the morning, just having eight ounces of water 
in the morning. Um, I like doing morning and night loving discipline because I feel like it's easier for me to attach it to a wake up or a sleep time. But for you, this could be the middle of the day as well. If that's how your schedule and structure works, you have to start keeping promises to yourself. If you don't trust yourself spiritually, this to me means that you probably also don't trust yourself in other areas of your life. And so you have to start cultivating that self-trust by keeping promises to yourself. Because every time you say you want to do something like, um, God, we could do a whole episode on the diet industry and why it's trash and why it literally keeps us from trusting ourselves. I'm not going to go into that because it's way, it's a loaded topic and we're, we've already been here for an hour, um, or almost an hour. But if you constantly, um, let's say you want to start a workout routine and you work out every single day for like an hour for like 10 days straight, no breaks. Number one, this isn't loving discipline. You're going way too hard on yourself, especially if you're somebody that's sedentary. Um, number two, there's, it's not sustainable. You have to start making promises that are also sustainable for you over the long term. And it might seem like, oh, but no, I have to go so fast. I have to do it this way. If I don't keep going and doing it in a big way, then I'm never going to make the changes I want to make in my life. You already start to not trust yourself the moment you miss that first workout. And so I encourage starting really small that glass of water in the morning is a perfect example. Reading two pages of a book every morning, meditating for five minutes a day or two minutes a day, if that's all you can commit to. But keeping that small promise to yourself, what happens is, is you build on that promise over time. And then you start to realize, ah, oh, I can trust myself. And that bleeds into every other area of your life with self-trust. I know it seems small and simple. And believe me, when the first time I heard about this concept, I was like, this is bullshit. There is no way I'm going to learn to like fully trust myself by doing this shit. No, actually I did. And that's why I went from being an eclectic witch to a chaos witch. Because eclectic witches, though similar in nature, eclectic witchcraft and spirituality, you're still bra you're still borrowing uh, practices from other people. And I mean, technically that's all we're all doing. Chaos magicians or chaos witches, we don't have to borrow from anybody. It works because we have this self-trust inwardly that it will work. And it's like unwavering. And I don't think in my own spiritual practice, I could have started as a chaos witch. No way. The first time I ever did my first ritual, are you kidding? I was questioning that shit the moment I was done. It takes time to cultivate those things. And this is the same with any spiritual practice you want to get into. I find that most often when it comes to witchcraft, these are the questions that I get the most though, is like, oh, I don't know how to believe in my craft or my manifestations. If you already struggle with self-belief, I like, yes, getting a new support system is important, but cultivating that self-trust slowly, that's really where the work starts. And, um, the last tip I kind of have for you is to start finding evidence on the contrary. So if you don't believe something for yourself, like let's get into the realm of manifestation a little bit. Let's say you want to manifest a new home or a new job and, or let's go with a job. Okay. You want to manifest a job that really supports you more or a career or something of that nature. And you decide that you see everybody else around you being successful, but it's not for you. Like you can't have that thing. I want you to stop yourself the moment you start being jealous of somebody else having what you have or what you want and start telling yourself, oh, this is the universe reminding me that because they have it, that also means I can have it. This is just evidence. The universe is literally supporting my dream so much that I'm constantly being shown evidence of how it's possible. Isn't that amazing that the universe would show me this sign that I'm on my way? So finding evidence on the contrary, if you think that something like maybe you want to manifest $10,000, right? And you think that that's not possible for you. There's not a shot in the dark that it's coming, but you need to remind yourself the people who live in the house next to you have money. The people that like the, the job that you work at has money because they pay all of their employees. The television series you work has money in it because they can pay their actors and their crew members. 
Money is literally just an energy. And the moment you start to tap into it and flow into it, the easier and easier it can come back to you. You're constantly being shown evidence of where there's money. Always. All the time. It's everywhere. The fact that you have internet right now and you can listen to this podcast shows that. It's everywhere. Always find evidence to the contrary of your belief if you feel like it's something that you want to change. And this goes in the reverse too. If there's something that um, you're having a hard time like believing in it, show yourself why it's true. Like, I guess that's really what I'm getting at. Show yourself why it's true and why it can happen. It's not getting reverse evidence. It's getting evidence that it already exists and can support you. Or if you're having that doubt in your own practice, think about all of the people that you've seen do this successfully. Use me as an example. Okay. (laughs) Um, I've talked about this before, but I've manifested, I started with a thousand and then I doubled it the second time. And then I said 8,000 and I did that. And then I said 10,000 and I did that. And now I'm working on a 20,000. So like, honestly, use me as an example. If you need to, I was somebody that I talked about this in a past episode. I lived below the poverty line for 10 years And now I feel like I'm in a place where I'm actually like thriving and I have the ability to like, not only like support myself and my livelihood, but I have the ability to build farther in the future. Everybody is able to do that. There's always enough to go around for everyone. I feel like I'm rambling at this point. You get the point of what I'm saying. So I hope that these tips kind of help you. If you want me to kind of go more into Um, especially like the wise inner parenting stuff. I feel like that could be a really great podcast episode on its own. Um, So if you want something like that, make sure you follow me on Instagram or TikTok. Those are the best places to contact me at this point because my email, I really don't do like personal emails. It actually goes to my manager and my manager handles all of that. And I very rarely see any of it. If sometimes if there's like a really nice email, um, he'll like send those over to me so I can see them. Um, because some of y'all just have such nice things to say, but some of y'all also have some mean shit to say, and I never see those. So good luck. Only my manager's eyeballs see those. Um, but, um, I wouldn't recommend emails. Like it just, it, it's, it's the best place, honestly, probably is Instagram, but TikTok as well. So all that, those links of course are always down below for you. And I hope you all have a fantastic week. I hope this was not too everywhere. I hope this was something that somebody needed to hear. Um, that's literally the only reason I share of these like very vulnerable and intimate experiences is because I know that somebody needs to hear the stuff that I've said, because I cannot be the only person that struggled in this way and has come out the other side of it. It can't be, I know there's more people I've seen it. So, um, I hope this helped you in some way. I hope I'm leaving you today with a new sense of knowing that you can like, that's, that's why I'm here. You can, you can make changes to your life. You can actually believe in yourself. You don't have to keep going on this spiral that says you can't, you can. And I love you so much, my pumpkin. And I will talk to you next Tuesday.